It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Powered by the Ingram Agency. You're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. I'm Kyle. With me, as always, is Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, you guys. So, guys, how's your week been? Oh, pretty good. It was a very eventful week, actually. I uh, ended up going to a conference and playing drums and running sound all weekend. Oh, had the time change. It was interesting. I went to Eastern Time just to drive back to lose an hour and basically get back on Eastern Time, so... Sleep schedule is a little off, but you know, it's a good week. We can now, uh, you know, have a little bit more sunshine too in the afternoons. But it, it, it's been a long week, and I'm ready to talk some hockey tonight. Did you have to drive for that storm over the weekend, though? Yes. So I was driving back on 40 when all the tornado sirens were going off, and I actually had to pull over, and we couldn't drive like because I was driving straight into the storm. Like I'm going east to west, storms going west to east. Probably 60 mile an hour winds, tons of rain. Fortunately, there was no tornado, but it, yeah, it was it was it was a little sketchy there for a bit. So happy to be home. But contrast that to yesterday, it was like 70. 75 out. I played tennis yesterday. Total difference in weather from two or three days time. Yeah, I had the windows down, sunroof was open, music was blaring yesterday. It was a beautiful day. You're talking about the storm. So Saturday, I was watching the Preds versus the Carolina. And when the storms came through and we got the tornado warning, I texted uh, Chelsea and I said, hey, I said, um, if you don't hear from me in 30 minutes, I might be dead. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? I said, exaggerated. there's a tornado warning coming through. And she's like, are you serious? I said, yes. She better get used to that. She's from Canada. So she's not used to like tornadoes and storms. So, you know. Well, it's funny. Depending on what part of Canada you go to, you will get either really bad storms like Tennessee does or snowstorms. So where she's at right now is Ontario. And while she was there, they had some storms come through, and she got to experience a, a tornado warning there, too. So she got a slight initiation. And I said, well, there's nothing like a tornado warning when you're sitting there watching hockey, and you f- hear something smack the side of your house, and you know it's a tree branch. And you're like, well, what damage am I going to walk out to tomorrow? Yeah, fortunately, it wasn't too bad around here, and it didn't affect us as you know some regions, I think, further down south in Alabama. There was more tornadoes, and... It's been a really weird winter for us, so uh, uh, I'm interested to see how March and April are because, you know, towards April, it usually gets pretty hairy around here. So, But, Matt, this this weekend, you actually had some uh, some action yourself. What did you end up doing? Yeah, slightly nerdy. I went to a, slightly? Went to a board game <laughs> convention uh, here in Franklin, which is, you know, just down the road. So did that for a couple of days over the weekend. What was your favorite board game? Um, uh, good question. I don't know. <laughs> Caught him off guard. Yeah, I don't know. You sent us a picture of a board game you were playing, though. It looks like it was like a space game. No, he sent me a choir. Yeah, I sent a couple. I played one. It was kind of a a long game, about three hours. I started that at about 11 p.m. That was probably a mistake. I told told my friend, hey, yeah, go pick one. His wife went up to uh, take care of the kid. I said, yeah, let's go ahead and grab a game. And I didn't know it was going to be a three-hour game, but uh, it, it was fun, so. It, it was a good time as usual, and it was nice to have a, a very rare day off work. So I took the day off on Friday, so that was nice. Well, Matt, as fun as that might be, we do have to talk about something that did bring a lot of grief to the hockey world, and that was the passing of Ted Lindsay. The saying goes that we stand on the shoulders of giants, and unfortunately the hockey world lost uh, a giant in Ted Lindsay. And I guess I'll start it off with uh, reading a quote from uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman, he said that the National Hockey League mourns the passing and celebrates the incomparable life of the legendary Ted Lindsay. One of the game's fiercest competitors during his 17-year NHL career, he was among its most beloved ambassadors throughout the more than five decades of service to hockey that followed his retirement. In Detroit, he was a civic icon. Yeah, he was a four-time Stanley Cup champion. Four-time Stanley Cup champion. Let that sink in. He also was part of the production line with your boy Gordy Howe Gordy Howe and Abel that's pretty incredible Uh, I mean if you look at some of his stats he played 1,068 games (laughs) with 851 points yeah they they called him terrible Ted because how 
how much of a powerhouse this guy was. He was he was gritty and tough. That's just the way he was. And and of course, back in that old brand of hockey, you could get away with anything. It wasn't you don't get just penalized for anything like nowadays. They were much more loose. And the reason they even have the penalties of elbowing and kneeing is because of Ted Lindsay, because of how tough that guy was. And they decided, you know, maybe we're going to have to tone it back in the years to come and start putting a couple more penalties in place because especially him was just playing super rough hockey back in the day. That's why he had the name Terrible Ted. So I can imagine some of those sticks, too, weren't composite. They're all wood. So I can imagine, you know, they they didn't curve. And so I can Im- I can just imagine some of those players getting mad and hitting people with a stick like that. A slash to the knee or the the uh, the hand that you know you see that called all the time nowadays. That was not so much back then. I, I mean I-, I can't imagine playing with someone like this. And of course, without helmets, some of these cats yeah. play without helmets too. It's said that he has had over seven hundred stitches to the face. Let that <laughs> sink in. He's the ladies' man. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's not bad looking for a guy that's had 700 stitches. And not to mention just what a powerhouse. He's, he was voted, obviously, one of the top 100 players in history. But above that, they have the Ted Lindsay Award named after him and his contributions for both on and off the ice. And some people don't know about what a great guy he was. He's, he's got a huge heart. And all 31 teams had a tribute to him on their, on their corner boards. And uh, one, a couple interesting stories about him that people don't know off the ice – of course, he's the one who started the uh, Players Association, essentially, because yeah. he saw that players weren't being treated uh, fairly. So he's the one who uh, kind of defied the odds and went up and, and started himself. And I'm sure it took criticism for it or what have you, but he thought it, it needed to be done, and he went out there and did it. He also boycotted his own Hall of Fame uh, ceremony that he got inducted to because at the time they didn't allow the wives and the girlfriends or the family of the players who got inducted to attend the ceremony. So he boycotted his own Hall of Fame ceremony to uh, in rejection of that. And sure enough, the next year after that, they changed the rules and they started allowing the families and the wives to be there because he said, you know, it's, it's a big part, our, fa- our wives and our family in this game, and they should be there to celebrate with us at the same time. It's funny how, you know, somebody as great as him says, you know, I'm not going to go to this. And they're like, well, hold up. We want you to come. We want other people to come their own. So we're going to change that rule. So it's amazing just the amount of influence he willed in just small things like that. Yeah, and one thing, he actually started a bit of a tradition. He said he didn't mean to. He was the first person to lift the Stanley Cup and skate it around to show the fans. He just kind of said he deserved, the fans deserved to see it, and it was because of them. And he wasn't trying to start a trend, but that's why you see players do it today. They hoist the cup. That, that was something that he did. And another interesting thing I I was watching about him, somebody was speaking on him, and they said that he had a friend who uh, had, his son had autism, so he started a foundation on his friend's behalf to raise autism awareness or or for money for prevention or whatever it was, and that that foundation of his has raised over $4 million today. So he had quite an impact on not just being a giant in the hockey world, but being a giant of a person as well. Yeah, did you actually see where uh, Little Caesars Arena put out all the number sevens in every single seat. It looked incredible. The whole place was decked out in red and full number sevens, painted the ice with number seven red on the boards. Or it had a Ted on the side of boards. It was really well done. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah, kind of struggling to – he was a little bit before our time, you know, played with Gordy Howe. So, but I'm kind of struggling to think of a guy who's had a bigger impact in the game of hockey than Ted Lindsay has. Yeah, and just to make it even sweeter – Red Wings fan, so you yeah, know, we we had to let you open up with this statement because this is definitely your team, and on top of it, an incredible player who deserves recognition from all 31 teams, as you said. And since you mentioned 31 teams, Daniel, that's going to lead us right into the next part of this: is that the GM meeting in Boca Raton happened? Boca Raton, Florida, in sunny, sunny Florida, with the spring training for baseball. I'm a little envious that. You would think if these GMs are going to meet, they should meet somewhere cold like Winnipeg or Montreal. Bro, bro, just because it's hockey doesn't mean they have to be in cold weather the entire time. <laughs> yeah, these are these are older gentlemen, probably in their 60s. You know, they like to stay warm. That's why all the old people go to retire in Florida. It feels good on the bones, so give them a break there. I think Kyle Dubois would say otherwise. Well, he's a bit of the exception to the rule there. Did you know he actually interacts with people on Twitter? Yeah, I, I've seen a few postings of his, and I don't know how I feel about that. It's just kind of like... I think it's funny. It's funny, but at the same time, you know, manage your team. Come on. Well, you have to remember, <laughs> he's around the same age as I am, which is crazy. I'm 34 years old, and I'm like, 
this man's a couple years younger than me, and his making job is millions. making millions and managing a <laughs> professional hockey team. It makes me wonder, where did I go wrong in my life? Career yeah. choices. This was not at career day at school, you know? Yeah, speaking of the age gap, I think I've seen him, uh, a couple photos of him, like, not in a suit. This guy wears, like, jeans and, and, you know, a dress shirt. I think I've seen him in flip-flops. I'm like, I don't know if I can take you seriously wearing flip-flops. He's a typical yeah. millennial or something. I don't even really wear flip-flops, too, and I'm 10 years younger than him, so yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I, I mean, can't question his styling choices, but I feel like if I were a GM, I'd probably be dressed to the nines most of the time. I'd probably be rolling up in a suit. That's just me. Well, look, at least he's not dressing like Don Cherry. Yeah, and Brian Burke also has a trademark of leaving a tie hanging around his neck, which is kind of silly, I think. But I guess you kind of do it one time, and he sticks with you, and it just becomes a habit. Yeah, and speaking of things that kind of go around your head or neck region, well, the <laughs> the GMs actually voted to see if players need to leave the ice if their helmet comes off, kind of like football. In college, yeah, yeah. Fo- college football in particular, if your helmet comes off, you actually have to leave the play to get it properly you know fixed so it doesn't come off again and you're protected well, i think when the board of governors get the uh, recommendation from the gms i think they will vote because there's a basic safety rule if, you know especially with now they're trying to eliminate hits from the head and stuff like that it's just a natural progression of the fact that if your helmet comes off yes we know you have like gorgeous flows but you need to come off so that way you don't get an injury well, yeah I, I think ej raddick said that that he was pretty confident that was going to pass and actually, similar to that rule, Daniel, did you see where they were thinking about making helmets during the uh, skating warm-ups mandatory as well? Yeah, and that's an interesting thought because we've seen several injuries in warm-ups or skate-arounds where you have you know the whole team circling and they're just doing their standard drills, obviously, shoot, 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 shoot. Well, occasionally you'll get one off the pipe and it'll come either right back at you or it'll glance off to the other side, which if you have two circles on either side, one person can get hit. Yeah. So I could totally see them making that mandatory to kind of cut down on maybe some head injuries yeah. or maybe just a glancing hit. I mean, if you look a couple of years ago, it's maybe five or eight years ago. I don't know. A couple of years ago, Taylor Hall had an incident just like that, which they were citing as a, as a good example. They were skating around, and they, a couple of the players on the, on the same team there weren't, were looking the wrong way, and they, they hit into each other. So Taylor Hall falls down, and then the other teammate who's doing the circle comes around the boards. His teammate's laying there. He tries to jump over Taylor Hall and steps with his skate blade on his head. Ow. And he has a laceration over his forehead because of that. And that's because he didn't have his helmet on and you know very close to that was a very dangerous scene right there and that was just supposed to be a a warm-up you know not supposed to be a dangerous scene but when you're dealing with blades and you know players lives it's probably a good idea to to have the helmet on but like you said I don't know they're not going to have the flowing of the hair rolling down through their eyes so we'll see what they decide on that I just clinched when you said that about the fact of a blade touching your head like that it just made me just tense up because I'm like just imagine that what was it several games ago Hartman took a skate blade in the midsection mm-hmm. and actually cut his jersey and he was bleeding and yep. he had to go into the locker room because I'm like that's scary because I mean you take one of those to the face region the neck I mean that that is very dangerous speaking of hair did you guys happen to see the state of hockey Minnesota and their tournament and some of the video of the gorgeous locks flying? I'm showing it to them for the first time right now like how incredible look at that mullet full on mullet is this the same video where that guy falls down on the I saw ice? That well, one. that's it's the same tournament, but yeah. he was skating in to show off his hair, and yeah. of course he falls down. Nailed so it's it. like, hey, mom, look at the hair. <laughs> hey, someone's got to do it. You know what? No matter what, he will be the one that's always remembered from that tournament. A couple other things that the GMs discussed while they were at Boca Raton is giving teams who get the power play to decide what side of the ice they take their face off on. Now, I find this one actually very interesting because obviously players have their preference on which side they want to take it. And depending on first or second unit, I, I, I don't know how much that plays into the coach's mentality. You know, if you're looking at a right face-off and you know your second unit has a player who prefers the right-hand side, do you put the second unit out before the first unit? Maybe because you're thinking, hey, I could win that drawback. It, it, It's going to be interesting if they change that rule because I think it will actually give a slight advantage, especially to teams that do better on face-offs. And, you know, the kind of the theme around the league lately has been they kind of want to increase scoring. So that's one way to give another advantage to the power play, which will increase scoring without having to go to such drastic measures like uh, increasing the size of the goal or something something ridiculous like that. So it, it should be advantageous and probably lead to a couple more goals. 
dude, like this year though, goal scoring has been way yeah, yeah. up. Yeah. Like I, they haven't even had to do anything to f- <laughs> for the goal scoring to go up tonight. The Lightning again hangs six. They won again, by the way, six on the Maple Leafs. I mean, I'm not shocked at this point because they're like at 110 points already. They're they're 25 points ahead of the Preds, by the way. Nobody's catching them. Yeah, it's insane. But to your point, scoring has been way up even without doing that. But it would be interesting to see the power play stats before and after they implement that rule. I kind of want to see a direct comparison. Give it a year or two. Another thing they're going to be doing is putting clocks on the inboards, which makes sense because they said that players, you know, have to look up to see the score. Then you have the outdoor games where the clock isn't there from the sea, so they have no idea how much time is on a power play or something. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see a game clock, and I would also be interested to see a power play clock. I, I think that would be excellent for the players because if you're in the zone cycling, you don't know when that power play is about to be over. So you're li- obviously listening for that, you know, on the stick, you know, from the goalie. But if the arena's loud, good luck hearing it. Y- you might not hear it. Even uh, actually, that bit us in the butt one time at home with the Preds. The the crowd was getting all riled up during the power play, and they couldn't hear. And it ended up on a, as an odd man rush because it was a bad pass yeah. or errant. they they pushed the play and they didn't realize the guy was coming out of the box. Fortunately, we didn't get scored on because I think it was Peck bailed us out. But at the same time, that will be very interesting because players will be more cognizant of when that player is about to come out of the box and if I need to take a risky pass here to try to get that last-second power play goal. Because you know, like, as the power play is expiring, man, you're wanting to you're wanting to get that nice, juicy pass over to, to get the one-timer or something, and you're forcing something. And the final thing that they discussed was the – Referees will be getting iPads to look at controversial goals. Now, I didn't realize this. Like, they're able to see replays for offside challenge. There's goal interference, but not goals where the puck is kicked or looks like it doesn't cross the red line. I mean, I know we have the camera that's inside, like, the crossbar itself and in the back of the goal, but I thought they could see those. Yeah, I mean, first of all, not a plug here, but I love my iPad Pro. If they got them these gorgeous resolutions, you know, they might be able to zoom in and see some of these plays as they're happening. But it'll be interesting to see that implemented because at the same time, a lot of the reviews also Toronto has a hand in too. So it's kind of going to be hit or miss. But as you said, for controversial goals, I think it could help out uh, greatly. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm for them having good video review. Uh, I am all for that. Yeah, again, we're seeing that the NHL really seems to be above some of the other leagues in their advancement of technology in aiding the game. And here's just one more example. We're probably going to take a little step, just a li- another extra measure to help smooth out the game from the officiating and help it help it uh, work for the better. Yeah, and that's interesting because we'll also be doing like puck tracking. <laughs> yeah. Um. I understand the fans are kind of reluctant to some technology, but I do feel that there is a place for some of that, especially like video review. I would say that most fans are probably for good video review and great devices that they can look at, but it'll be interesting to see the progression of the NHL over the next five years, because I have a feeling that's going to get pushed very hard with the deep analytics and the stats and the puck tracking and, and being able to, like, see player cards. I mean, you're starting to see that some uh, trickle onto, like, NBC. You'll see shift counters, which they still don't give me a shot on goal counter. I don't understand. It I don't care. still kills me because I have to open up the app every time to see where we're at at shots on goal. But that said, it'll be, it'll be nice to see the movement towards technology because they are trying to cater towards a younger crowd and try to market to gain more viewers. But let's talk about the one thing that is on the minds of everybody right now. Mm. If you love hockey, this is March, more commonly known as March to the Playoffs. Oh, but uh, you always get mad or give us a face when we do a pun. And literally on our on our notes today at the very top of the heading, as we're doing this, for those of you who don't know, we have one giant Google Doc here before us. It literally says in bold, like 42 point font here march to the playoffs and i was just like really kyle look i have to get them where i can because you guys take all the good jokes 
You just scorn us every time we have a We're punny just joke. naturally more funny than you. That's <laughs> that <all> hurts. <laughs> but you know what? Everybody probably agrees with you. Well, you know, you said it. It's true. <laughs> I know I know. humor's not my strong suit. All right, so get back to the stats then. Okay. <laughs> so the playoff started today. Here's where we stand. The Lightning would play the Blue Jackets, who are struggling their own after all the super trades they've made. Bro, they just lost to the Islanders. If they fail to make the playoffs... After everything they did, can, can, let's think about this. Not only would they not make the playoffs, they would lose basically all the players that they just got as rentals. Yep. And on top of it, they have no picks over the next two years. Oh, so talk about rebuilding? You can't over the next two years. All you have left is that cannon. That's literally <laughs> all you have to your name. Dude, I, it, it could get really really bad if they don't make it if they don't make it they could be in the dumpster for the next three years like basement i'm talking like the worst of the worst red wings ottawa you're off the hook now like it's bad and to make the situation worse we knew about that a situation a while back with a brobrovsky incident in the locker room they healthy scratched him the other day i don't know if you saw that they healthy scratched him against pittsburgh uh they had didn't even have him dressed. He was like up in the stand somewhere. I don't know. That just seems there's <laughs> got to be box. some unrest there. I don't know. That just didn't make any sense. They're just not sitting in a good place, uh, you know. Yeah, they're now currently fifth in the Eastern Conference. I, I, I mean, that's a little scary. If you're you, they're in the second wild card spot, and they are now tied with Montreal. They've both played sixty nine games, and they both have. 76 points. And by the way, the Flyers won again tonight, so that puts them only three points behind them. So hold on. The Metro is going to get crazy towards the end. You have four points separates you from third to out of the playoffs. And there's one, two, three, four, five teams competing for it. Yeah, the sphincter factor is real there in the Metro for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a photo finish, but that is going to be excellent to see and Man, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you're just praying you can just get one or two good, you know, puck luck, get a win here just off of a bounce or something to get those points because one game is going to make or break you. Then if you look at it a little further, you've got Boston and the Maple Leafs going at it. But as we've seen today, all, Tampa Bay see. just destroyed them. Yeah, but that would be a fun series. Boston and the Maple Leafs to start off. Yeah. I mean, you're talking – Pasta and Marchand versus Austin Matthews and Tavares in the first round. I don't know if you've um, been keeping up with Boston, but they are hot. currently on a 19-point streak. They lost it, actually, last night. Last night? Yep. Oh, well, they were <laughs> on a 19-game point streak. That is very impressive. And they, didn't have, they don't have Pasta currently, so they are doing it right now. Uh, their last 10 games, they were 8-1-1. One, and one. Yeah. They're, since the All-Star break, they have more points than anybody, including Tampa Bay. Fun fact, do you know who's actually hotter than them in the last 10 games? Uh, would, li- would any of you like to take a guess? I'm not sure, so I will oh. not take a guess. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, so I can't. It is guess. the Capitals uh, at 9-1. and one. Yeah. I feel a little sad for not knowing that. Yeah, Kyle. And do you know who's third on the list, tied with the Lightning? Well, actually, I need to kind of rephrase that because the Lightning did win tonight. But before this last game, they were tied with the Lightning at third. The Yotes. Yeah, I was going to guess the Coyotes, baby. Two. Yeah, baby. They're, they're howling all the way up to a playoff spot. Dude, Kemper has been on a tear. He's 8-1-0. and one and oh. He's been throwing a 9-4-9 save percentage. Yeah, 9-4-9 save percentage. And get this. The Coyotes do not suck. So, get this. They are currently one point out of a wild card spot. That's awesome. And they do have a game at hand on Minnesota. Yep. They're going to choke. <laughs> rude dude i mean to be honest though i would really like for them to make it it I, would be I fun really to see them like, make it it really I would, would love for them to make it i would love to see glendale actually have fans inside of it but i did see one of the i did see one of the stats from the hockey analyst community this morning that said if you look at the west's playoff chances arizona's right in the middle they got about a 44 to 50 50 yeah. chance of making it so they're right on that cusp they're gonna make it or break it stray but a little kyle we're watching Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we're Sorry. going through Lord of the Rings right now. We've got a couple friends who haven't seen it, so all <laughs> of you out face, there. Kyle's face is pure disgust right now. But All of okay. you out there, you know, if you've got friends who haven't seen certain movies, you make them watch them all. We've got a couple of friends that we're forcing to go through the extended Lord of the Rings editions. 
stray but a little. But that is the current state of the Yotes right now. But let me I, look I'm pretty happy that they're in the position yeah. right now to be in the hunt for a playoff race. But it doesn't I, – I mean, basically, you could argue that Colorado's got a very diminished chance now with Landeskog being out four to yep. six weeks. So That was the worst that, thing that could have happened to them. That is ideal for the Yotes. I mean, if you're talking about perfect time, perfect place, boom. Major, major player just lost one of their best yep. players. You better push. Remember when I said uh, last week that I didn't like that trade, whatever it was for Colorado, because they needed to be sellers. And, uh, yep, come out, Landis Collar gets injured. That's why you need to be sellers right there, because that, that's your top producing line right there. They, he's a third of that deal. You guys are, are not looking too hot right now. You so, guys. I'm just meant uh, the uh, <laughs> the team. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't directing it. No, not us. the press. Then if you keep going down the Eastern Conference, you've got the defending Stanley Cup champion, the Capitals, versus the Carolina Hurricanes, who have shocked everybody by the fact that they are currently in the first wild card spot in the East, and they very well likely may make the playoffs. Bunch of jerks. <laughs> they are actually fairly hot. They are on the top five hottest teams in the last ten games. They are seven, two, and one. Do you think Minnesota regrets sending Niederreiter to them? You know, okay, so he torched us the other night. <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, twice against the Predators. It's interesting because sometimes, we were talking about this too, that a change of view for a player can work wonders. Uh, he wasn't really going anywhere in Minnesota. It's kind of like the Fiala thing. Maybe he goes up there, maybe he lights it up, Granlin comes. It, 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 sometimes the scenery changes and you just catch fire, and he has completely caught fire for them. Him, oh, by the way, Justin Williams, beast. Typical. Beast. He's been captain clutch this year. He was captain clutch before. He's he's Mr. Playoff. You know, just first of all, just get just get Justin Williams in the playoffs and just let him do his magic. But I'm actually confident that Justin Williams has like 23, 24 goals this year. I mean, he's getting up there in age, and he's still producing, and he's clutch. He had a great net front goal tip in against the Predators. So, look if Ovi I'm, can do I'm, it, I'm liking. Yeah, but Ovi's a freak of nature. He scores. He's he's gonna score like fifty goals every single year. It, it it's almost impressive at this point. If he continues that pace, as we said, he's top three all time, if not second to Gretzky. I, I mean, it's insane. And you saw the stat. Yeah, I know. I'm going gonna, gonna to say it later. I know. It's annoyingly impressive. It's annoyingly impressive, yes, because he is now by himself in that category. But besides the point, Carolina is surging, and honestly, I think they make the playoffs. They've, they've been super hot right now. They're playing fast. Good for them. They're a bunch of jerks, and they deserve to be in the playoffs. We're talking about great players, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. They got if the playoffs start today, they're playing the Islanders. Who, sadly, Jillian Fisher, they're no longer first in the Metro. Dude, that'd be a good series too because the Penguins have been pretty hot as well. They're six two and two in their last ten games. Yeah, they're coming on at the time when they need to start heating it up because they weren't looking so hot earlier. But I think the bigger story is the Islanders. Nobody thought the Islanders were going to be as good as they are. Dude, Trotzy has come in there and just turned that whole organization around. It's been quite impressive, and without Tavares, I might add. Yeah. And I've seen some salty Preds fans on Facebook and Twitter that seem to be like, why is Trotz doing this? And, you know, he gets the cup in D.C., and he's turned the Islanders organization around, and they're kind of like, why couldn't he do that in Nashville? So we kind of have a current situation with our coach. So if you think about it, Lavi went to Philly, and what did he do? I mean, he coached them to a Stanley to a Stanley Cup final in 2010. Then he also goes to Carolina and gets his cup, wins a cup, and then he comes to Nashville and we go and to the goes finals. to the finals. So all the people out there that are saying, "Oh, why does Trotsy do?" We have a coach who's literally doing the same thing. So I've just seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of people question the coaching system sometimes. Oh, 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 have you seen the power play? <laughs> who's not qu- who's not questioning the coaching system right now? I understand the frustration for the for the whole power play and our play as of late because honestly, McCarthy probably should have been out a while ago, but Lavi is very loyal with his staff. Which you can't blame him, but I, I think that's going to be a point of contention in the offseason. That's just me. 
I know we're not going to we're not going to fire a coach this late in the season, but if we get to the playoffs and our power play is still at 11 or 12% for the playoffs, Poyle's not having that. Poyle is not having that. He demands more than that, especially for the moves that he made to get the organization better just to be in the spot that we're in. That will not happen. Lobby will have to give on something, and it will be McCarthy. Well, flipping over to the West, we've got Calgary playing the Wild. Good luck, Wild, because Johnny Johnny Hockey is going to light you up because that team's looking really dangerous right now in the West. I'm still saying the Neil effect may happen. You mean cup finals and then lose? Yep. <laughs> How crazy would that be, though? I think it would be hilarious. Like, I would feel so bad for James Neal. <laughs> three straight Stanley Cups and be runner-up each time. I could totally see that happening. The uh, Flames make it, and then the Lightning make it, and the Lightning just ransack, and then they end up losing. <laughs> Look, three, if it, three, if it, silver, <laughs> three silver medals for Neal so for three years straight. Get your silver polish out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that would be pretty rough. But look, if it ends up being Calgary and uh, Tampa Bay, I'm going to have to root for Tampa Bay. Sorry. I want Tampa Bay to get a cup. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think we've said it multiple times in our groups, our group chat. Tampa Bay, yes, they did win. I think it was in 2004. So they're fairly more recent than most teams. But they have been so good the last several years that barring another freak injury, like if Kucherov – now, if Kucherov goes down, hold hold the phone because that's your, that's your main man. I mean, he's dishing everything right now. He is literally what is driving that machine for Stamkos and Point. Just pray he doesn't go down. But, I mean, last year, Stamkos, knee injury. Really hurt him. So, I would like to see them – progress further in the playoffs, potentially win the final. I mean, I want the Preds to win, but they are very much deserving of a championship, especially this year, considering the stats that they're putting up. And then if you keep going on down the West, you would have Eric Carlson and the Sharks versus Mark Stone and the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, you talk about a good first-round series. Yeah, I would love oh, that. Oh, my goodness. And Stone seems to be finding quite the home in Vegas. Dude, You, uh, that series will be physical. You know it. Uh, and and on top of it, oh, I would have to I would have to root for the the Sharks on that one. That but man, that that would be two exciting teams, two exciting fan bases. You're talking about electric atmospheres in both. You're talking about uh, T-Mobile Center in the desert and the Shark Tank, the SAP Center. Count me in for that series. That, I'll watch every single I'll watch one. every yep. single game on that one. And cue at least a couple epic drum lines from Vegas. Yeah, they they go a little overboard with the the intros, but you know. It's whatever. You're it's Vegas. Vegas. You're in Vegas. Everything is overboard, so it fits in just naturally. What's the goal song have to be in Vegas? Waking up in Vegas. Katy Perry. <laughs> Look, that's my girl. I'm sorry. Wow, Kyle. She's my favorite singer, and I still to this day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, you ten, cannot say that on cool, the air. Ten cool points just deducted. I stand by All the that. fans out there, all the hockey oh. fans just lament at that comment that you just made, Kyle. I stand by it. For the fact that that song should be the goal song for Vegas. You know, I take it back, Kyle. You are good at jokes. Oh. <laughs> I need that ham horn. <laughs> I'm glad you don't have the ham horn. I, you know, I should have it pulled up just for this. We'll have that eventually, though, for live. For moments like this. Yeah, I'm going to be super annoyed by that. So get ready for the live stream because it is coming. Brace yourself. Anyways, getting down to the central. If the playoffs started today, you would have the Winnipeg Jets versus the Dallas Stars. And... That series would all be the Jets, Stars. Dude, I, I, you know, I, all I'm going to say is right now, the Central is completely up for grabs. Completely up for grabs. Because if you look at the Preds and the Jets' record over the last 10 games, and then you look at the Blues, who have been nothing but winning, they could pass the Predators and the Jets Let me for look, number one. Well, look at this. You Easily. Got, you've got the Jets. They've played 68 games. They've got 84 points. And like I said, this is all as of Monday night, the night we're recording. And then you've got the Blues at 68 games with 79 points. The Preds are sandwiched right in the middle with 70 games played with just 83 points. So there's not much room for the Preds to go either way. Going back to the Lord of the Rings reference, if they stray but a little, they're either going to get first or third. Yeah, I mean, it's really down to Winnipeg, Nashville, and, and St. Louis. 
for those top three spots. But if you start looking at the last 10 games or just basically the trend since the All-Star break, the Jets should have won the division by now because the Preds have been terrible. And then on top of it, the Jets have decided to be just as terrible as the Preds during the same stretch, which does not make any sense because if you're you were telling me that at the same time, the Jets and the Preds were going to be this bad and be basically 500 teams. Like they're, they've been 500 since the, the All-Star break. And St. Louis goes on, you know, a 12-game win streak and they're at least 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. So I, I, if this trend happens, St. Louis is finishing first. Do you think it might be the fact that and, – And get this, and that would mean the Jets and the Preds play the first round. That would suck. Well, guess what? You did terrible. <laughs> Do you think it might be the fact that I've always said that it seems like the Preds, this um, – well, it's one of those things that we've always known that the, after the All-Star break, the Preds usually have a resurgence. Yep. They normally have, but this year they haven't. And I've always thought that, you know, it might be the unpopular opinion, but I think they might be kind of coasting to the playoffs. Do you think the Jets might be unintentionally doing the same thing? Here's the deal. If you can win the Central – you better win the Central. <laughs> like, go get the division title. So, one, you can raise our banner without anyone yelling at you. And, two, you can actually get a strategical advantage for the playoffs over your divisional opponents. Like, But, but that does home ice any, really mean that much? I, I, yeah. In the playoffs, for me, I, I, it might not work out all the time. You're, you know, you've seen the stats where last year, you know, we might not have been that good you know, at home, and, and this year we've struggled at home. I, I still want more home games than I want away games. That's just that's just how it is. And I don't think you coast knowing that you could, like the Jets could have easily won the Central, like easily won the Central, but they have struggled with the Preds, and now it is completely up for grabs, and the Blues have a chance to win it. Are you kidding me? Like they were in dead last, <laughs> like around December. So... It is absolutely topsy-turvy right now, and it will be another photo finish in the Central, but who knows? It'll be first or third for the Preds. <laughs> At least the one thing we can all agree on is that Chicago is not making it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because they started having some resurgence there because Kane was just on a tear, but I think now they're showing their true colors again, <laughs> and it just doesn't seem like they are going to have enough push to make the playoffs. Yeah, 67 points, and they're at a minus 28 goal differential. Yikes. Not not very stellar, but you got to think the w- two wild card spots are going to be very interesting because you still have Dallas fighting for one, Minnesota just on the brink, and as we stated earlier, the Yotes just nipping at their heels. Like that reference, right? nipping at I their gotcha. heels like a coyote. Well, wow. Okay. Matt, if the Yotes make the playoffs, would you actually go to a game? Would you fly down the Glendale? That's quite the distance. Yeah, that's to quite Glendale. a haul for uh, <laughs> for, for <Glendale>. an Arizona <laughs> Hypothet- hockey game. Hypothetically, if you didn't have to work and you had the money, oh maybe I've been there before. I like it there. Would you do the actual hell with the crowd? Oh, I'll definitely, bro. Oh. Definitely, I was doing it all all game. <laughs> we should actually consider like if the Preds make it to a really. Oh, I'm a, doing that this year. A yeah. really fun. If they if they meet a team out west like San Jose, oh that'd I'm be going. awesome. Yeah, I'm going. Could you imagine? Oh man, see that's difficult. So you're always trying to look at the potential matchups yeah. for like the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, oh man, say the Preds make it. Well, the heir apparent is the Lightning, which means you would go to Tampa Bay. Not bad. Which I've is actually, a great place. I've been to Tampa Bay, so pretty pretty nice area. I would be okay with that. I would like to go to Boston too. That would be kind of fun. So yeah. for a finals game, but if we do make it to a Western Conference Finals and it's like against San Jose, that would be incredible to go actually visit the Shark Tank with Preds gear on. That would just be fun. So Matt's thinking, "No, I want to wear Shark I'm wearing Shark's gear if I'm the if I'm in the Shark Tank, baby, but uh, that's just me. Let's talk about our new guys on the team for a few minutes. So since the trade deadline, which was on February 25th, the Preds have went 3-3-0. Three, three, and zero. We've had two power play goals, one from Subin, one from Boyle. And our new guys, Boyle, he's played 14 games. He's got four goals. Boyle's been incredible. I'm not going to lie. McLeod's been sitting on the bench. <laughs> As we expected. Six games played, 
a resounding seven penalty minutes. <laughs> Sounds about right. Mikhail Granlin has got four games played, a goal and an assist, and this is from the power play. Yes, thank the Lord for him because uh, I I honestly have liked his play every single game, and he's been getting a little better and a little better and a little bit more comfortable in the system. So it'll be nice to get another you know 12 games in for him in this last push here, and uh, he, he is definitely coming into his own role now. He's become, real quickly, my favorite player to watch. On him, besides Rocco Grimaldi, uh, Granlin, you know, throws his body. He was playing the the game the other night against Carolina. You know, he had no no issue about forechecking forechecking the Hurricanes. Yeah, I honestly was thinking about it earlier today. I think he might be the X factor in the in the playoffs. Yeah, he's looking at his passes. Actually, he he kind of has a little bit of Joey, where he he gets really creative with how he's dishing out the plays. And that's kind of what we were hearing from Minnesota fans when they traded yeah. him. Like, he was the playmaker. Yeah. He was what was really driving some of their offensive power. And you're starting to see that a little bit. Unfortunately, he is being paired up with the desert that is Kyle Turris right now who can't <laughs> score. And once again, I, I feel bad for the dude because he's been out half the season, and I know he's trying to find it. He, he He's working, too. And to credit to him, he showed up to practice – an hour before anyone else. I think it was yesterday. That dude knows he's struggling. He knows he got injured. He knows he's trying to find his groove back. But it is just, it's it's so painful. And he has got, he has got to be solid and start producing for the playoffs. And why is that, Kyle? Well, he's not having the best career for this. So, Adam Bingen has a really good article on The Athletic. If you haven't went and read it, please go read it. It has a lot of detail about just the struggle Kyle Turris has had this season. So, for example, we're talking about his career worst. His shot rate this season has only been four, almost five shots a game per 60. His shot attempts only been about eight, and he's only had one to two high-danger attempts, and these are all at 60 minutes at five on five. And then his .38 expected goals per 60 makes him tied for 329th out of 333 forwards with at least 500 minutes, 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah. That hurt. The injury really hurt him. Yeah, he's been injured twice, and at least one was four to six weeks. I believe it was a foot injury. And I like what uh, David Poyle told the uh, told the local media when he said, quote, it has to be better. He said, we need to get more of that secondary or specifically the second-line scoring. Kyle has been a really good player and produced very well almost all of his career. And when we got him from Ottawa in that three-player trade, that which kind of like shocked the hockey world when Matt Duchesne went up to Ottawa for a spell, he said, when we got it from Ottawa, to me, he was one of the guys that got our year turned around in the right direction. Fiala and Craig Smith were his line mates, and they were kind of floundering at the beginning of the season. And arguably, Kyle came in and was our best four for the quarter of that season. It was hot. That line yeah. was scoring like three to four points a night, remember? For like the first 15 games, they were scoring, it was an average of like two and a half to three points. It was insane. Well, he needs to turn on the memory bank and, and see that performance again because he has been struggling, and this is a time when the Preds need it most. I mean, you got to think about it. At one point, he got put to the fourth line, and they brought Sissons up to the second line. Yeah. And then even further, you know, he got benched during during the third of the wild game. It's, it is difficult seeing the stats and trying to argue for him, but I do know that that injury that he had on his foot, he was actually unable to practice and or slash work out for almost two months. And you know that's got to affect a player. First of all, that completely throws off your rhythm. And on top of it, it's you're not physically in shape or game ready. Like, you had two months where you couldn't do anything. Let me think about I, it. I mean, that that's incredibly I wonder, taxing I wonder how much of that is like a mental block, you know? You know you're cold. I think now cold. it's a mental block. Because yeah. I think he's had enough games to try to find his way back. Yeah. But at the same time, he's like, he knows he, he's like, he's gripping the stick just a little harder because he knows... He can do better, and he knows that that injury set him back, so he's trying, like, extra hard. I mean, he shows up an hour before practice, before anyone. He's trying, and you can see that he wants it. It's just, man, he's got to get it clicked in for the Preds to be productive in the playoffs. For him, I mean, it really boils down to that. If he starts dealing, you know, better against, obviously, the goal against uh, Carolina where he's actually dishing one and getting some, you know, shot, placement on net and actually causing you know a scramble with Boyle which was that, great yeah that's what he needs to keep doing so 
Kyle Turris finding his way and finding his groove back will be essential to if the Preds get knocked out in the first or second round or if the Preds make the finals. It that that and the power play are they have to get the second line going. Now here's the question. Say the Preds get to the playoffs, we know they will. They get past the first round, they get the second round, and hypothetically, if they're gonna get bounced anywhere, if not the first, it's gonna probably be the second if they can't get past the whoever the opponent is, whether it be St. Louis or the Jets. So say Kyle Turris has a terrible postseason. He's got five years left with the Preds, $30 million man on his contract. If we get bounced in the first or second round, do you think Poyle sends Turris off? Goodbye, Turris. Hello, Duchesne from the Blue Jackets who end up not making the playoffs. Boom. Yeah, if, if you're looking at assets that can be expendable, if this, if this continues, he'll be the subject of that talk next year come trade deadline time for sure. And to be honest, he is having the statistically worst – you know, career or year, year that he's yeah. had. So if you think about it, some team might like the fact that, well, the tr- you know, the trade would actually take on that $30 million contract, but he is locked in for a long term. So if he does find his groove again with the team, then he ends up producing at a higher, you know, point production. And on top of it, he's locked in for several years at only, I think it was $6 million, right? Six by six was the contract. Yes. So... It's math, Daniel. Five years left, 30. So, Don't look at me. I'm terrible at math. Um, so, yes, uh, it, it's it would be very interesting to see the team's outlook because they might be getting a bargain on him if he does find his way and you know is revitalized and say that injury just really took the toll and diminished his stats. I honestly think there might be a market for him, and it'll be interesting to see, too, with the whole Duchesne thing, Duchesne wants to come to Nashville. Well, if Kyle Turris, if we're wanting to deal Kyle Turris, that would be the time because Duchesne's contract would take Turris's place. You would end up having to spend seven, seven and a half million, maybe even eight, depending on that. And you would truly have two number one centers at that point. You'd have Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, which would be incredible. But I'd like to see if he gets any more. Um chemistry with Granlin and Smith because Adam goes on to say in his article that Lavi was quoted saying on Tuesday morning that Granlin, Turris, and Smith's first game as line mates in the March third game against the Wild was the best performance of the, by the team's second line the entire season when they had a 73.81 expected goals percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, and that wasn't too long ago and you got to think too, Smith was out with an injury as well. I, I mean, I can't keep making this up because everyone keeps getting injured. So at this point, it's like our chemistry is everywhere. So all I'm hoping for is that the last, you know, 12 games, we can actually have everyone there and start building it because Forsberg was out the other night. So what happens? Granlin moves up to the first line. So then he's still not building chemistry with the second line. I I mean, you're in a pickle either way, but it's like it's one of those things that it just we have not been lucky as far as the injuries this year. And I really hope we can just kind of subside. We've gotten it all out of the tank. Let's try to get that chemistry down because obviously that five-on-five stat for the Minnesota game is quite telling that they can generate a lot of offensive power. And I will say since you're talking about offensive power, let's hope they can also correct the power play because right Mm -hmm. now – we are sitting at 30th, and these are stats as of Monday morning. What is crazy is we're not last. Yeah. <laughs> that that is newly the, acquired, that, moved up one that spot. That is the mind-boggling thing is we're still terrible, and there's a team worse than us. Well, I mean, what can you do? At this point, it is what it is. You have, you've had 70 games to get it fixed, and you're still going to be at 12.6%. And we're talking about, you know, 70 games. The game against the Carolina the other night, I like what Boyle said afterwards in the post-game reaction. When some people say that, you know, the Preds are having a bad game, they had three days off, and they were calling it rust. And I love what Boyle basically came out there and said, you've had 70 games to get this right. It's not rust. And I love the fact that he just came out and said, yeah, it's it's we were terrible. Boyle, we made bad decisions. He tells it how it is, man. I, I think he's one of the most refreshing people in the locker room because he's very genuine and, like, 100% with every single reporter. You can always tell, like, he's going to shoot you straight on the interview. But it's also interesting to note the Preds are second in the Central, one point off the division lead, and we are 30th on the power play. And do you know who is currently second on the power play? 
behind the Lightning, I might add. The Lightning are at 28.5% on the power play. That is hot. This team is at 27.1%. Can you guess which team it is? Can I buy a vowel? Well, if you were to guess the Florida Panthers. Really? They wow. not. See and they coming. are currently 21st in the league. So the power play isn't everything, but I will say this. You're going to need that power play in the playoffs. And it is yeah. mind-boggling that there are several teams way down on the list that if they could just do a 20% power play, like league average, can you just give us yeah, 20%? Give average, You're talking happy. about winning three to four extra games throughout the course of the year, and then on top of it in the playoffs – you're talking about winning playoff games, <laughs> like whole games. Talking about playoffs? Yeah, it, it, it's it's mind-boggling. So if you look at a team like Nashville, who is still one point out of the division lead, but has a 12.6, 12.6% power play, you got to think if that if that power play somehow manages to get hot in the playoffs, you got to watch out for that team because they have already been producing and making, you know, good points production or finishing first or second in the division with a 12.6% power uh, percent power play, those are the teams you need to watch, as well as the Canadians, by the way. They're worse than us, 12.4%, and they might make the playoffs as well. So, interesting to see those two come playoff time. So, Matt, before we close the show up tonight, do we have anything around the league that we missed? Yeah, one interesting thing that we didn't mention was Philadelphia has now set a record with the most goalies in a year with eight. <laughs> they have dressed Shock. eight goalies this year. Shocker. Carter Hart was their best one. Bro, they're on a tear right now, too. Like, they, they're surging hard for that playoff spot, which is crazy to me. Hartman gets traded there, and he might actually make the playoffs. And speaking of playoffs, we did mention Tampa Bay is the first team that has clinched their playoff berth and might also not be a surprise. The first team that is clinched to miss the playoffs is Ottawa, and they don't even have their first-round pick for next year. So uh, a bit of a juxtaposition between uh, Ottawa's position and Tampa Bay's position. But speaking of how hot Tampa Bay was, Mike Babcock recently said that Kucherov is the most dangerous guy in hockey right now, and that might very well be true because I don't know if you guys seen the stat. Kucherov is the first person since uh, Hendrick Sedin in uh, 09 to 110 points or more. So he's the first person in a decade to have 110 points or more. So he is definitely probably the most dangerous guy in hockey. I don't know. That's to be debated. We'll talk about that guy in a second. Also, Vladimir Tarasenko is going to be out with an upper body injury. They don't quite know how long it's going to be. They're going to reevaluate him in about 10 days or so, but that's not looking good for a team who needs to make a hard push right now as well. Also, Vegas did sign Mark Stone to an eight-year, $9.5 million deal. Quite a hefty sum of money for him, and it's been looking good in Vegas for him since he arrived. Vegas has been 6-1 and one with his acquisition, so that's looking pretty good for Vegas. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see them come playoff time because I feel like the Pacific just got really muddy. I mean, you're talking about the Sharks are now kind of, you know, feel like they're getting their place with Carlson and everyone, and then you load up Stone on the Vegas team, and then the Flames are red hot. Uh, that's going to be an incredible bottom bracket to fill out for uh, you know our bracketology episode, as uh, Matt would say. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that day. I'm super excited. And it seems uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is always on our stat sheet. He is now the fifth person all-time to have nine seasons of 30 or more wins, and also goalie. Roberto Luongo, we mentioned how hot uh, Florida has been. He is now third all-time in wins passing uh, Belfour, so that's quite incredible. In addition, Matt Cullen now has the second most games played by an American, passing Mike Madano and only trails my boy Chris Chelios. And also teammates, former teammates, uh, Patrick Marlowe is now seventh in games played all-time, and Joe Thornton now has passed 14th all-time. So that's good on them, former teammates. And a couple beast records now, uh, big record time, the two best stats of the day, is Tampa Bay Lightning have now tied the NHL record yep. set by the 96 Red Wings as the yep. fastest team to 50 points with only 66 games. That's crazy, games. by the way. That's, I mean, that's your team. That's yep. like arguably one of the best teams ever, yep. and they're beating 
Yep. Their points production right now. And I think it's interesting. Uh, we've been talking to our friend on, on Twitter, John, he mentioned that he said, you know, even the 96 wings didn't win the cup. So and even in the sports, I think I don't follow the other sports, but he mentioned. Uh, <laughs> you don't follow the other sports, the, which is like every other yeah, one. The Sorry. Bulls didn't win their cup when they set the record for most their wins. Cup. I mean, their, <laughs> their title. Their title. Every, everything's a cup. To Matt. He's <laughs> like, if it's not a cup, we're not going for it. Okay. So they didn't win it. Uh, the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl when they set the yep, most yep. wins. So it's going to be interesting now that they have set this record or at least tied the record, will uh, the Lightning go on to capture the Stanley Cup? It goes to the, back to that old President's Cup trophy curse, baby, curse, baby. that we talk about every year. Uh, I mean, didn't work out for the Preds, yeah. and you had history to back you up last yeah, year. I think it's about 20% of the time in the last 20 years the President's Trophy winner has won the Cup. Which so. is still good odds. But yeah, I, I still yeah. One in five is great. Yeah. I, I, I don't but, know if I'd call it a curse. But, but uh, I'm just saying it's not a guarantee of anything because the NHL playoffs are brutal and anything can happen. Like I said, what what happens if Kucherov goes down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if Kucherov goes down, you know Tampa Bay is just going to be like, no, why couldn't this happen like two or three months ago? We would have gladly given up 20 points in the standings to have Kucherov for the playoffs, you know? Not only Kucherov has been hot, but the best stat of the night, open your ears, listeners, because <laughs> open your ears. I hope you heard this, Ovechkin is now the only player in history to have yep. 10 seasons of 45 or more goals. How stupid is that Passing stat? Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy at nine. Yeah, list the top five people on the list. Go ahead. You have the lull. <laughs> yeah, Ovechkin now has 10. I said he, he passed Gretzky, Mike Bossy, Mario Lemieux, and Marcel Dion. How ridiculous is that list Anytime, that you just named, and you passed them all? Yeah, that's uh, now he's arguably the best player ever. I mean, you're in that discussion with Wayne Gretzky now, dude. That's freaking insane. It's amazing yeah, yeah. what happens when you finally get the cup. Bro, but it's mind-boggling to see him producing this at his age, and yeah. then on top of it, he does it year after year after year, and then he's going he's going up for another fifty goal year, and then he could still add some in the playoffs. And you're talking about a guy who, even if he if he averages forty over the next four years, he is top three almost. He could almost catch Gretzky, depending on how many years he has. But uh, the problem is, towards the once he gets to like thirty nine. It'll start tailing off, yeah. and he won't be able to do forty goals. Yeah, he he might he won't catch him, but you can make an argument that those ten years for Ovechkin is as hot as Gretzky's ten years. You know, I don't know. It's just incredible what Ovechkin has done. Now, who's to say who's the best? But when you're when you're having even a debated discussion, putting him up there with uh, Lemieux and Gretzky and Bossy, that's that's incredible for uh, Alexander Ovechkin. So with that in mind, Daniel, what games do we have coming up? All right, our next game is tomorrow against Anaheim. And then, actually, this is a West Coast swing, baby. This is this is going to be the late nights. Get your coffee ready, because then after that, on the 14th, we face L.A., followed by the Sharks on the 16th. And they will return home for two games against Toronto and Pittsburgh, followed by a very pivotal game against the Jets and the Minnesota Wild on the 23rd and the 25th. And at that time, we should be recording again ready for the very last home stretch into bracketology and the playoffs. That's what I'm looking I'm forward to. I'm not talking about March Madness. I'm talking about the madness that ensues after that. And that that would also NHL. give us a format change, too. Yes, and the NHL playoffs. Yes, so Kyle, do you want to talk about that just for a second? So when the playoff hits, as right now, we do a bi-monthly episode. So every two weeks we do one, which equals about two episodes a month. When the playoffs start, we're going to go every week until the playoffs are over. So whether the Preds make it or not, we're still going to be here talking hockey all the way into June. And then next season, boys, we're going to go live. Yeah, as you all know, and we've talked multiple times, we are in the process of converting our show into a live portion with Twitch. We are extremely excited about it because, you know, we might not be as polished as we are on this podcast. There's a lot of cut-ups and there's a lot of edits, and we you know, make this awesome product for you. But believe me, you're going to want to tune in for the live stream because we kind of make fun of each other a whole lot more than what you actually see and hear on the final cut. It is going to be a blast, and we can't wait to have everyone join us, including all the other fans, because we want everyone to join to get all these awesome opinions around the league and basically just talk hockey. 
and I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Katy Perry jokes made because how much I like Katy Perry. I would love for everyone to roast you about Katy Perry. Oh, well. Well, guys, this has been Music City Gold. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Take it away, Rachel. You've been listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio, powered by the Ingram Agency. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at C. Dandrum, and Matt at MattBane31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Penalty Box Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.